Welcome in, everyone, to episode 22 of the Peach Day Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Jake Hewell. Oh, yeah. Uh, day two this week for the podcast. Uh, it's a very exciting week. We mentioned it in yesterday's episode. It is Florida Hate Week. Cocktail party. Um, I- Kenny, uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to pause you real quick on your introduction. Um, y- your mic cut out. Oh, Lord, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear now. A little shaky start to the introduction. I'll let you keep on rolling, though, sir. All right. Well, I was just saying, I think there's a little there's a little line that's drawn in this Georgia-Florida rivalry, and I think it's through the state of Georgia. I heard an interesting point made on another podcast, and I cannot remember which one it is, but I was uh, listening around this morning, getting my, getting my Florida wits about me, getting fired up for this game. And an interesting point was made that Kirby Smart, he's a South Georgia guy, right? Mm-hmm. You and I, Jake, we are not necessarily South Georgia, but South of Atlanta. Oh yeah, I think I think there's a little bit more Florida hatred on the South side of the state. Oh yeah, definitely, I agree. Because you you talk about teams like Tennessee and obviously Alabama; these are teams that we hate. All Georgia fans hate them, but I think it's different down here. This Georgia Florida game, it seems like at least in my lifetime, and obviously I'm and married to Jake's sister. I'm very known or I, I know Jake's family very well. I know how they do things. So I can confidently say that for both of our families, our entire lives, this week has been circled on our schedule every single year. Every year. One of the most exciting weeks you can get to. So I am pumped. And on the podcast, I know Jake is too, and we're going to dive into this, man. Uh, yesterday, we talked a little bit about what we can expect injury-wise. We're getting some guys back, some guys that we might not get back. We did a little preview, talked about what this game's looked like. Um, in the past, what the history of this rivalry has looked like. And today, we're going to dive a little bit more into the numbers, talk about the nitty-gritty, the X's and O's a little bit. What can we expect? Maybe some impact players. And, uh, man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. This is going to be a big college football episode, big dog episode. So a little shaky intro with the with the mic cutting out, but hope you all stuck with us. And uh, let's dive into this thing, Jake. What you got for him today? Kenny, I had to start off, and, you know, I always start off this podcast saying the same exact thing every time. And it's kind of hard to say it right here because you, you had a little mic check going on. But uh, – Great introduction, nonetheless, and um, I think you said it very, very well to start us off, Kenny. Um, big time, big time, big time weekend coming up for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, a game that we cannot look past because we are facing against the Florida Gators and the world's largest cocktail party. Um, a really, really big event going on down there, and I know Georgia fans and Florida fans the same are all pumped up for this. Me and Kenny, obviously, we're on the Georgia side of things, and we are amped. And this is a game, like Kenny mentioned, dude, since week one of the season – you're ready for every game, but this is a game where you get to it and you're like, okay, we're finally facing Florida, the big time rival. And it kind of gets, you know, it always lands near the, you know, latter part of the season. So you're kind of like, okay, where, where does this team stand? Cause you get past Florida and you know, we have a couple big games after Florida. So it's kind of like, this is where the season really, really gets ramped up. And you know, this is where conferences and stuff really get decided at this point in the year. So you know, we can't look past it. We just got, you know, a really, really fun football game coming up this weekend. Yeah, man, you said it really good there. I mean, it doesn't matter how good these teams are. Obviously, Georgia's the number one team in the nation up against a Florida team that's not as good as they have been in years past. But it doesn't matter if this is the worst ranked, the last ranked team in the FBS versus the number one team in the FBS. It's still Georgia, Florida. It's going to be toxic between both fan bases, between both teams. Leading up to it, it's going to be nuts. That's why we call it hate week, man. Florida hate week. It's the best week of the year, and we got a little extra extra week there with the bye week. So I know everybody wants to talk about don't look past Florida because we got Tennessee coming into Athens next week. And absolutely, man, you don't ever want to look past Florida. But let me tell you something about this Georgia football team. 
Georgia has done a very, very good job, especially under Kirby Smart, at not looking forward to following weeks. We're always good about focusing in on who we're playing this week and, and really zoning in and attacking the game plan from the perspective that we want to. Let me go ahead and tell y'all, boys, this is not going to change against this Florida Gators team. That's going to be the same thing tenfold. This team is more prepared, more fired up, more anything, any way you want to call it to play this football game because this is absolutely the most hated team that we're going to play this entire season and every season. So I hope y'all strap it in and get ready for a good one because this game is going to be some big hits. There's going to be some big runs. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a great day to be a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, and I, I know we're not going to look ahead, but I, I will say this. Um, there is a team that might be looking ahead a little bit, and they might be advancing themselves a little bit much, and I think that might be the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, let's not forget, guys, they have a very, very tough matchup this weekend against Kentucky. I know Kentucky's going up there to play them in Tennessee, but this Kentucky defense right now is the 14th best passing defense in college football, so that's going to give us a really, really good feel of what that Tennessee offense looks like against a, a really legit um, passing defense like Kentucky. Now, obviously, Georgia right now are ranked fourth in the nation, passing yards allowed per game. But anytime you see a team get up there in the top 20, um, you know, obviously top 15 is, is really, really good. So um, I think Tennessee has a really, really big test right here. And if they, you know, if they tend to look past Kentucky thinking about Georgia, things could get awfully dicey really quick in this SEC East. So Hopefully these teams, you know, they're all looking at their game coming up this weekend. But, uh, yeah, we got, we got some fun stuff coming up for sure. No, you're absolutely right there, Jake. I thought that was a really good point because you talk about this Kentucky team in general, and regardless of where they stand rankings-wise or numbers-wise, you mentioned uh, 14th best passing defense in the country. But this Kentucky team is a hard-nosed team. They're going to play you very physically every single week. They're going to load the box and force you to beat them in the air, and they do a really good job at limiting the pass. So – that Kentucky defense is, is a pretty unique one because not only do they play physical, but they can get down the field and defend you in the air as well. And um, I don't want to say it's a good comparison to the Georgia defense because this Georgia defense is miles better than that Kentucky defense. But as far as actual game style goes, this Kentucky defense plays a really physical type of football similar to what this Georgia defense does play. So I'm curious to see how Tennessee reacts to something like that. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. And uh. You know, Georgia's kind of in the situation right now um, where we don't really have to look at Tennessee as anything yet until, you know, that week kind of comes. Because right now we are the number one team in the country. We we are the best. We're running national champs. It's kind of like you, you can't – you are the best team in the country to me until you get beaten. That's kind of how this thing works in my opinion. And as of right now, Tennessee has that feeling going into this game. Oh, we just got to get to Georgia. Because we get to Georgia, that's, that's going to be our opportunity. Not so fast, Tennessee, because if you play a stinker this coming up weekend – Good luck, boys. Uh, that that's gonna be a little bit messy when it comes to comes to rankings and stuff. No, you're absolutely right there. Um, all right, Jake, you want to dive into this Georgia Florida game? Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get it started, Kenny. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you kick us off with your initial thoughts. All right. Well, we mentioned it a little bit yesterday. Let's talk about this from a from a numbers perspective, right? Um, Georgia's favored by twenty two and a half in this game. It's the biggest point spread in the series history against this Florida team. Um, if you're looking at bets right here, we got 58% of the money, or excuse me, 65% of the money on Georgia in this game. 58% of the bets is on Georgia to cover that spread. Um, 
Now, a lot of people do a fade the public strategy, and it actually will win you some money if you follow it week in and week out. Um, but I actually like to see these numbers here because 65% of the money and 58% of the bets is fairly even. And um, in a matchup like this, that's about where you want it from a betting perspective. You're not really leaning one way or the other. Obviously, as fans, we're leaning towards Georgia. And if you're a smart football fan, you ought to be leaning towards Georgia as well. But um, 22 and a half is the number there. The over-under is set at 56 and a half right here, I believe, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. And um, I'm curious to see how that plays out because in, in my mind, I think this game can go one of two ways. I think we could see a shutout, maybe super low, limited points against this Florida defense, and Georgia coasts up to a 40-45-point lead or something like that, and it just kind of runs the game out. Um, or I can see... You know, maybe Florida will give you one. Maybe they'll get the chunk play, get on there, score a touchdown, and bring that point total up a little bit. I'm not sure. But either way, and we'll dive into the numbers a little bit, how these teams stack up. But I don't think this Georgia offense is going to struggle to score points against this Florida defense. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing looking at it from the betting perspective of things. Because as of right now, the Florida Gators are uh... – my thing for some reason says three and four against the spread, but I believe they're actually um... – I believe they're actually two and four. I don't I don't see a third win against the spread on there. Um and it just so happens that their two wins are both the only two games they've been underdogs in. So that's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing right there. It was it was against uh Utah and Tennessee. So they've covered in both games so far that they were underdogs. So that is kind of a little bit of an interesting note. Um but Georgia, you know, we had the two little games against uh Kent State, which I think um Kent State and Missouri, those are the only two games we did not cover this year. So it's kind of a kind of a interesting matchup to see here because it's we're both both teams are going into situations where you're kind of feeling like okay, both teams have been decently successful this year in covering in these types of situations. Obviously, Georgia's been favored in every game this year, and like I mentioned, the games that I just talked about, um, we have done a fair job at covering games. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one when it comes to the to the betting perspective of things. Actually, I'm I'm so wrong right here, Kitty. I'm going to apologize. For some reason, when I look at this on on ESPN, I'm looking at my my bet things. I'm paying attention to this now, and it said Georgia is four and three against the spread this year, and I only saw a couple games. For some reason, it doesn't have the Samford game, so it is correct because we did not cover the Samford game. So we're four and three against the spread. Uh, Florida's three and four. Well, there you go. Um. I mean, it's an SEC matchup, right? It's a not a road game. It's a neutral site. But we always talk about SEC matchups, especially interdivision matchups. This is SEC East. Um, and you always expect these games to be a little hard-nosed. You know what I mean? Like, you talk about the Missouri game, and a lot of people were disappointed with Georgia's performance in that, um, including us. But uh, in, a, in a game like this against Florida, you don't really have to worry about the dogs showing up. Um, it, it kind of seemed like we didn't show up to a couple of those games that we didn't cover. The Sanford game might be a little bit different because the spread was, what, almost 60 in that one? I think it was 53 and a half. Yeah, Me personally, as a Georgia fan, I bet Sanford. <laughs> yeah, that that's absurd. I mean, 53 and a half with anybody, that's a ridiculous That's a ridiculous spread. Um, but no, man, I mean, when you are when you match up against an SEC opponent, it's always going to be a little bit more of a, of a grind, a little bit more of a hard-nosed game. The physicality is going to be there. The talent's going to be there any way you look at it. Um, but you, you talk about that Missouri game. It, it just seemed like the dogs didn't show up to play. Missouri showed up, fired up. They were ready to roll. And, uh, this game, I can guarantee you're not going to have to worry about that from the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, if we're talking about like anything betting wise, I, I don't know if we're, I guess I'll say that for later. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm all looking at all these Georgia betting lines, but yeah, I think you're completely right. Um, Georgia goes into this game right here and we are going to be fired up coming off a of bye week. We have, you know, 
it's looked like we've cleaned stuff up based off our past two week past two games we've played against Auburn and Vanderbilt. But uh, in a bye week that you had, knowing damn well that you have the toughest toughest competition you're going to be facing this year coming up with Tennessee and Florida and Kentucky, there's a lot of things I guarantee the dogs cleaned up. And it's just, you know, sorry, Florida, you're the first team we're going to have to face right after that. So uh, things could get very ugly really quick to me. No, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And obviously, we're Georgia fans. We're homers. But, I mean, even in general football talk, you talk about 65% of the money and 58% of the bets. The public's with us. It's not just because we're Georgia fans. I mean, this is just common sense, boys. This is the number one team in the country against a, a pretty lackluster Florida Gators team. Um, that brings me to a pretty unique question. I think we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, Jake, and I want to kind of get your input on it. Who do you think, and obviously you mentioned with the bye week, we've had a couple weeks to prepare for this game. Who do you think we've had back there running scout team quarterback for Mr. Anthony Richardson? Anthony Richardson, who have we had running scout team quarterback? Um, I would say Kiaris Jackson, but I, I feel like that's a little bit disrespectful on his accuracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not talking about disrespectful to Anthony Richardson by any means. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, realistically, um, I, this is something we have talked about before. And uh, this, this is the perfect situation where you see a guy like Gunnar Stockton step back there and and take over the helm. Um, a guy that can kind of move a little bit and uh, definitely has the arms to deliver the ball around the field. And AR-15 is the same way. He's His problem is not getting the ball in range of his targets. His problem is getting an accurate pass in range of his targets. He can get it to anybody. He can throw the ball 70 yards down the field. Now, you might be 40 yards downfield and he throws it 70, but uh, you know he gets it there, so he, he gets it far downfield. So, yeah, I, I would probably, I'd probably go with old Gunner. I thought the same thing. I thought you might see a little Gunner Stockton action, maybe a little Kiers, maybe throw Ladd in there a little bit, you know. Ladd McConkey played some high school quarterback. Obviously, he's getting first-team offensive reps. But, you know, I think either one of those guys gives you a pretty good look at what you're going to see against Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned it very well there. I mean, the, the arm talent is certainly there with Anthony Richardson. Dude's got all the intangibles to, to be a quality quarterback. He just hasn't been able to put it together. Dude's – nowhere near efficient he's completing 56 and a half percent of his passes he's got six touchdowns to seven interceptions um he's just not he's not living up to the hype and uh, uh everyone thought this was the next tim tebow you take number 15 off the rafters and put it on this dude's back and he goes out there and pitches a stinker so far in this season so um and i don't think we're going to see anything different in this game man i mean this is certainly the best defense that they've lined up against this entire season so um it's going to be a big wake-up call for mr anthony richardson we're going to see what he's made out of yeah, um, I, I I agree completely, and uh, I kind of have a little bit of a question for you too, Kenny. Um, what is your what is your your bold bold take on this game? I, I want you to give me I want you to give me something crazy. Give me give me a wild thing that might that you might see in this game. Something wild that we might see in this game. Hmm. I'm gonna say I don't know how wild this is. All right, it's kind of a wild thing to think about because of the likelihood of the situation. But I'm going to say we see multiple Georgia, or I'm, I'm going to say this. We see two Georgia receiving threats with multiple touchdowns in this game. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, now, you, now you're, getting, you're getting pretty wild right here. And I can see it. I can see it. This is going to be a game where, where Stett's going to show out. Um, and, and this will kind of get me diving into numbers a little bit right here. Florida's defense is all around bad. Um, 90th ranked defense in passing in yards per game. Um, 108th ranked defense in rushing yards per game. Um, this 
a lot of bad things about this Florida defense. So this Georgia offense should be able to take full advantage of that. And uh, I think what you just said is is very, very possible. I think this might be the game, too. I'm looking for a Lad McConkey and or Kiaris Jackson return touchdown. Yes, yes. Yes, I, I really, really hope we get to see that at some point, man. I, I want to see somebody crib one. It's going to be awesome. These guys have been so close so many times this year and just have not been able to to nail it down. This could be the year or the, the game, I'll say. And, and if I'm going a little bit more into my specific predictions, I'm going to say we're going to look something like a Lad McConkey, 85-yard, two-tud game, Brock Bowers, 122-tud game. All through the air or on the ground? He's gonna get, is he going to get one on the ground? Oh, oh, that's a good question. We could see a Brock. We could see a nice little forty-five yard rushing touchdown right up the middle. Maybe dust both Florida safeties, split them, just like that Georgia Tech game. We could see it. I wouldn't be too surprised. No, not at all. And that 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 will lead me into my prediction for this game. And my prediction for this game is that Anthony Richardson is not going to make it all the way through this game. He is going to be benched at some point in this game. Now, Florida has had, Florida's had two quarterbacks outside of Anthony Richardson that has played snaps this year. And is Jack Miller, the third. And uh, I believe right now he's actually hurt. Um, he has 14 attempts on the year. And then we go to Jalen Kitna. Um, old John Kitna's son, I believe. Um, and he played October 2nd. He got, he got some time in. So I, I, think, I think we might see a little bit of Kitna action come into this game. Uh, if you guys remember last year, Around this time, it's whenever Anthony Richardson made his first career college football start against Georgia, and he looked pretty pitiful. And uh, we look at some of the stuff he's done this year. Um, he's really only had one super successful game through the air, and that came against Tennessee, which I want to say Tennessee has the 130th ranked passing defense in the nation. But then we look back at some of these games, like against Kentucky, really, really, really bad football. And we mentioned Kentucky earlier, Kentucky's defense is ranked 14th in the nation in passing defense, and it's a very, very similar look to what you're going to see against Georgia. Um, one thing I will say about this this matchup right here is if Anthony Richardson wants to take advantage of the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm, I'm going to try to talk about it in an unbiased opinion right here. His greatest strengths, or the, the thing that he can attack the most on this Georgia defense so far this year that we've seen the weaknesses from, is attacking Georgia linebackers in coverage. Um, we talk so much about Smile Munden and JDJ, and we know that they love to get, you know, their love to get their nose in, on the ball and, and like to make big hits and make plays at the line, but they're not very good in coverage. Um, they're allowing 80% completion percentage whenever they're targeting coverage between the two. So if he wants to take advantage of this Georgia defense, that is going to be his best bet for it. Obviously, we know what Anthony Richardson can do on the ground, but I feel like we never see a Kirby Smart defense give up a quarterback running all over us. That's not really something you see a lot from this defense. I don't think we're going to allow that. So if AR-15 wants to take full advantage of us, it's going to have to be you know attacking the middle, the short middle field. The only problem with that is we mentioned it, his accuracy. Um, we've seen AR-15 kind of kind of get a little bit loose with the ball sometimes and fire one um, trying to go five yards across the middle, and it's t- 10 yards over his head right in Christmas hands. So, uh, yeah, it's it, we, we could have some pretty interesting stuff happening. I like that, Jake. I like that take a lot. I think you could also see Anthony Richardson maybe three interception game Saturday. Look out for that. Maybe take uh, the over and interceptions there. Don't know what you can get that at right now, but that may be an interesting look. Um, I think this might be a master class from Stetson Bennett coming up right here, too. I mean, look out for 400-yard game. Yeah, 
yeah, he's 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 gonna he's gonna get himself right back in the Heisman conversation. I was looking at some stats earlier. Georgia actually ranks in the top ten in passing offense, and we were top thirty in rushing offense. So this offense can definitely get things rolling. And I mentioned the numbers just a second ago with how bad this Florida's defense is. It is bad all the way around. Eighty first scoring defense in the nation. Um, so yes, I th- I think that Georgia Georgia should be able to take full advantage of a lot of the stuff that Florida throws at us on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned it. Top 10 passing offense. Georgia's the seventh-ranked passing offense in college football against Florida's 90th-ranked defense. Um, I definitely think we're going to see us attack that thing through the air. And one thing you always talk about with this Georgia team is the ability to run the ball. Obviously, we're very efficient on the ground. We're very effective. We can kind of attack you multiple different ways. I mean, Stat can get out there and run the ball. Brock Bowers can. You talk about the the running back workhorse crew that we have between Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton, Kenny Mack, and Branson Robinson. All these guys have been getting touches and have been very, very successful at it. Um, so, But I think this game's a little bit different. I think the boys got a little bit of fire underneath their butts headed into this week. I think they're ready to go out there and make a big statement against this Florida team. And Kirby, it just seems like this is a game where he's not going to take the foot off the gas pedal. No, no. Kirby's going to have that, that foot all the way down. And offensively, I will say this. I'm not worried in the least this Georgia offense is going to get rolling. This this Georgia offense is, is definitely going to roll. I think my concerns land a lot more on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not because Florida has been, in, you know, an insane defense, but they do have a couple different numbers that are kind of intriguing when you look I'm whenever you look at the offensive side of the ball. I think I said defense a couple seconds ago. That's my apologies. When you look at the offensive side of the ball, this 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 Florida team does have a couple things that are kind of interesting. Um we talk about Anthony Richardson and that is kind of where this Florida team, you know, lives and dies at. If he's out there turning the ball over. We mentioned this in the past. If you turn the ball over, you know, three times off picks, it's really hard to win a game, especially against a team like Georgia. But if he comes out there and he plays a solid game and uh, this this Florida team runs like they normally do, I will give Florida this. They are a very, very good rushing defense. They are 16th in the nation in rushing yards per game with 212. Um, so that that's where things can get a little dicey for me is, is if, if they kind of catch this Georgia defense off guard and, you know, can get the ball moving on the ground. Um, another thing about Florida that's actually really, really good is they all, they've only allowed five sacks so far this season. So they have the best pass protection in the SEC right now, which is pretty intriguing thing. I, I think part of that is because pass protection. And another part of that is you have the most mobile quarterback in the SEC. So it's kind of like, you know, he's a guy that can get on the ground and run. He's not really going to take too many sacks. He's also a really big guy. He's six foot four. Um, I want to say he's pushing around like 230. So He's, he's not the easiest guy to bring down back there. But I will say this, too. This Georgia defense is not one that relies so much on sacks. We're a defense that year after year, you don't see people rack up them big-time sack numbers. That's just not what we do. Um, we, we tend to play a more conservative ball and kind of let you do your thing and try to attack this defense because a lot of times, you know, people can't figure out what to do whenever we're sending four and have, um, you know, seven guys drop back in coverage. You have no idea where to look. Exactly, dude. And you mentioned it right there with uh, Florida limited sacks. I think another contributing factor to that might be this personnel group that they tried out there. Um, I think Florida leads the nation in plays run out of 12 personnel. Um, 12 personnel, for those of you who don't know, is a two tight end set. So you're looking at two additional offensive down offensive linemen to give a little bit added protection to Mr. Anthony Richardson back there. So, um, you know, they do a pretty good job of loading the line of scrimmage and forcing you to go around that edge. And when you have a mobile quarterback like him, a guy that's able to, you know, get downfield with using his legs and, and kind of break tackles. A bigger stature guy, Jake just mentioned. Um, I, I think that's probably a big contributing factor as to why they do limit sacks. But 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you just said it, man. This Georgia defense is not a team that relies on the sack numbers. Um, very efficient on getting pressure after the quarterback, but as far as completing it with the sack, teams do a really good job against Georgia, and I don't want to say really good job, but teams do very frequently uh, change their offensive scheme against Georgia because they know Georgia can get pressure with three or four down linemen, which is, a, a, a you know, that's an NFL-style defense. That's something you do in the NFL. You drop back five defensive backs and two linebackers and you let your boys up front, you know, try and get home as much as they can. And Georgia's able to do that at the collegiate level, which is pretty nuts. But um, no, man, I, I think this Georgia defense is going to be very effective in multiple different ways. You mentioned it with the, with the linebackers being the, the weak point in the passing game. And I think that's going to be a big question mark for Mr. Anthony Richardson here, because that's going to mean this guy is going to have to drop back in the pocket, get down to his second and third read, maybe take a little check down, maybe dip the ball out to the middle of the field, get to his you know second or third option. And uh, I'm just not sure this quarterback is uh, the, the guy to get that done. Yeah, and uh, if he can't get that done, like I, like I just mentioned earlier, um, that means they're going to have to rely a lot on the rushing, which, like I said earlier, they're 16th in the nation rushing. But, everybody, this Georgia defense is 4th in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game. They give up 83.4 yards per game on the ground. So even though it might be a strength for Florida, we are very, very good at not allowing uh, not allowing people to um, get on the ground and get moving. So that is something I'm really excited to see. Um, we know Anthony Richardson has the arm to make plays down the field. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see if, if uh, Mr. Billy Napier decides to drop some plays to attack our, our cornerbacks. Um, our cornerbacks have been a little bit down this year compared to, you know, last year and prior years. But, you know, past couple weeks they have kind of brightened up. But this is a guy that definitely has the ability to take the deep shot on you. And if you let somebody get past you running, he's he's probably not going to underthrow it. So <laughs> if he can hit a guy in stride and get him downfield, you know, that that's some of the chunk plays we talked about where Florida could rack up a couple points on us pretty quick. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I mean, e e any way you want to look at it in this game, I mean, the dogs line up very, very well. We we talked about the offensive and defensive numbers. I mean, in, in rankings wise, and how this these both of these teams have been playing this season, it's just about as good of a matchup for this Georgia team as you can get. And then you go into a big rivalry game, and just not the stakes of it, but the the emotions of it, and and how fired up these boys are going to be to play. Um, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a bloodbath, and that brings me to my next question, Jake. What do you think? Final score prediction for this game. Oh, final score prediction for this game. Okay. Uh, now we're getting pretty intense right here. Uh, this is not one I was prepared for, but I will, I will cook something up in my head right here. I am going to go with 45-17, to 17, Georgia. All right. I like that. I like that. You got them giving up a little bit more points than me, but I, my final score prediction was 48-10. to 10. Okay. I, I had 10 in my head, and I changed it to 14 last second. I feel like one of those little little... Two minute, two minute drives, two minutes left on the clock. Florida has the ball. Uh, Mr. Mr. Kitten is in the game, and uh, you know they, we miss eight tackles on the sideline with our fourth team guys, and they make a seventy five yard touchdown. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I I think we're in the same ballpark right there. We're covering either way. Yeah, either way, we're covering. Um, I'm certainly going to be on Georgia minus twenty two and a half in this game. Um, without a doubt, it's not going to be one of my official picks for this week because I, I don't want to make my official pick a home team. But, um, no, it, it is certainly a line that I'm going to be on, and um, it looks like the public's on it as well at 58%. So um, any final thoughts on this game, Jake? No, um, I, I think we covered it very well, and I think what you were just talking about with, with picks and stuff, I think it kind of brings us into our, our, into our, our one of our favorite segments of the week, probably my favorite segment of the week, um, 
and you know, I'm, I'm pumped for it. I got some good stuff brewed up right here. Let's go. All right, let's talk about it, man. Uh, pretty interesting. The show, uh, we mentioned it last week, we've been on a little bit of a heater, betting-wise. Uh, cooled off a little bit this week, still won some money, so don't worry about that. But uh, it, it was a little bit more even than we're used to. Uh, we mentioned it last week. We came in with a 20-11-1 record um, in betting this uh, this year. Uh, given That's since we started giving out our uh, favorites, dogs, overs, and unders in college and pro. Uh, rounded out after this past week, we are... As a show, 29, 18, and 1. So um, you look at it from a unit perspective, you're up about 12 units if you're betting with us right now, boys. Yeah, we'd love to see it. And I, I do want to mention that last week, me and Kenny had multiple um, picks. I think we had two different picks that were the same, and it just so happened that those two picks both lost. Um, and we both picked Mississippi State and to cover against Alabama. Or no, Mississippi State, Alabama over, and that did not hit. I picked Mississippi State to cover against Alabama. Obviously, that was a big row in 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 my my betting department. I don't remember the other one. I think we might have had another one. The Falcons. Actually, no, I'm completely wrong. We both had Falcons Bengals over, and that did hit. So, you know, we we did take a little bit of hit on Mississippi State picking the same game. It, it knocked two of our two of our losses off right there on one game. But uh, you know, I I know me personally, I I kind of cooked on the NFL last week. Um, four and zero NFL bets last week, and uh, you know. A one in three day college ball, which was not my best look. Um, but we're we're gonna pick things back up this week. I'm I'm ready for it. No, that's right. A little bit of a slower week, but hey, we still want some money. So you can't complain when you come out ahead. It doesn't matter if it's by what was it that Dom Toretto quote. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. A win is a win, and we are gonna take that anytime we take a win in any week doing any kind of bets. We're gonna take it. We're gonna roll with it, and um. I think, you know, we'll take a positive from that and look to maybe heat up a little bit more this week headed into these bits. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be hot when I'm I'm looking at I mean, I I can almost lock an 8-0 right here for me. Just Ooh, just looking okay. at it. I can almost lock an 8-0. Go ahead. Call the bank. Tell them. <laughs> I need I need a $150,000 loan to put on uh, put on Texas A&M plus two. <laughs> that's not that's not one of my official picks. Hey, Ryan, let you know. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right, well, let's get into it, man. Jake, why don't you kick us off? Who's your favorite of the week in college football? Okay, so there was a lot of interesting things right here. And uh, to me, it all kind of boiled down to um, who I think is a better football team. And I know they're coming off of their first loss of the season last week, but still, man, I, I, I'm not too confident in the team they're playing against. Um, my official favorite of the week is Ole Miss minus two at Texas A&M. My one alarm for this game is that it is a 7.30 game, and I think everybody knows you never want to go play at Texas A&M at a night game. It, it's kind of one of those places like LSU where it's a lot of bad juju. I know that's what people say, but it's really just because the fan base comes out and, and they put on an absolute show in the in the stands. But um, I just mentioned that I do think Ole Miss is a better football team than what Texas A&M is. And, um, you know, the Aggies have played good defense all year this year, but I, I don't know if that offense is going to get rolling enough. And I, I thought this was a little bit too close for me to, for me to not, for me to stay away from. I like that a lot. You're looking at a bounce back week for Ole Miss after that crippling loss against LSU last week. Yes. So, no, I like that a lot. Um, I think that's a really good pick. This A and M team has been uh, struggling to find their identity. You see Max Johnson go down. I still don't know. Do we have an update on his injury status? Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. I've not seen anything on it. I do want to mention that, um, as a, as a away team, um, Ole Miss is two and one against the spread, um, two and zero oh as, as away favorites. 
And uh, as a home team, Texas A&M is one and two against the spread. So uh, a, a little bit of a little bit of interesting stuff right there. That is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think Ole Miss is due for a big bounce back game this week. Um, so I like that pick a lot. Um, that brings me to my favorite, my favorite of the week in college football. I'm taking Arkansas minus three and a half at Auburn. Um, I like this pick a lot. I actually pointed that line out to Jake a little bit earlier and just showed him. I said, this looks pretty interesting. I wonder why it's that low. Um, this Auburn team is very, very bad. We saw an absolute dominant performance by Georgia. And um, I know anytime you travel to, to Jordan Hare, I think they pronounce it. I can't even say Jordan right, Auburn fans. What is Jordan. that? Um, anytime you travel down there, it almost seems like they got some ghosts out there, man. The fourth quarter, you got some zombies reaching up, grabbing your ankle when you're trying to score. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit concerning, but um, I think three and a half points is just, it's not enough for this game. Arkansas, they get KJ Jefferson back. He came back last week against BYU, 400 yards, five touchdowns. This dude is a dominant quarterback in college football. Uh, it's good to see him playing, coming back from an injury. This is a guy you want to watch play. Um, if you have a sec to tune into that Arkansas team and, and watch them play, KJ Jefferson is an absolute unit. He looks like, you know, freaking. Cam Newton mixed with Aaron Donald back there playing quarterback. It's ridiculous. I don't understand how somebody that big can move the way he does and throw the ball as efficiently as he does, but he is nuts. Um, so I think Arkansas uh, minus three and a half at Auburn. That's my pick of the week. No, I like it. And I, to be fair, I did have a feeling that's the route you were going to go. And I, I didn't want to have the same bets again, like we did last week. So I, I, I wanted to go something a little bit different right there. I respect it. I respect it. Um, and let's talk about our underdogs, man. Uh, my underdog of the week, and th- this was a tough one for me. I think when you look at the lines, there's some some dogs this week. that There's a couple that stood out to me, but there's also a lot of games where I mentioned it to start this thing. Um, I think maybe before we hopped on the live when we were just talking in the, uh, in, in the YouTube a little bit. And by the way, if you're listening on the podcast side of things, check us out on YouTube. We get a little pre, pre-podcast, pre-recording BSing, and that's where we were talking about this. There's a lot of lines where I was looking at that I feel like have a really, really good numbers. Um, and that's not something you see a lot in college football. It always seems like Vegas will give you a couple. And um, we, we haven't really seen that yet this year. So uh, I, you know, I guess props to Vegas. But um, this week seems to be a, a pretty accurate projection for a lot of these teams so my underdog of the week i ended up going with cincy plus one and a half at ucf yes it's a, it's a beautiful pick right there um, i like that ucf team i really do i think uh that they've been playing some pretty good football um this is a team that it's not going to wow you on either side of the ball but they're a team that can come out there and play hard nosed ball and compete with just about anybody on any given week um you talk about absolute sec legend gus malzahn down there Toting the, toting the coaching responsibilities for this UCF team. Um, but I think the Cincinnati team, they've been playing really good ball. They're a little bit underrated, I'll say. This is the 20th ranked team in the country, and they're coming in here as underdogs against UCF. Um, I will say the Cincinnati team is 6-1, and one, and the UCF team is 5-2. and two. So both teams um, are pretty good as far as the record goes. But I look at Cincinnati, I think they just outmatched this UCF team in talent on both sides of the ball, and I think they definitely probably went outright. Certainly, you know, one and a half is not a crazy line to say they're going to cover. So, uh, yeah, one and a half here. I think I'm looking at Cincy to win this one. Yeah, I I feel that. I I agree with that a lot. Um, I think Cincinnati is is back on the uprise right now. You know, we were kind of everybody was kind of skeptical on how they were going to look this year after losing so much talent to the NFL. But really, they they didn't lose you know a terrible amount. They just lost a lot of their big name guys. So I I, I agree with that 100. percent I like the pick. 
I mean, uh, this Cincinnati team, honestly, has been a, a pretty effective through the year. I mean, you talk about a guy, you're losing Desmond Ritter, who is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I mean, I think he's the winningest quarterback in college football history, which is crazy. And then they bring in senior Ben Bryant in here to play quarterback this year. And he's having a pretty good year so far. I mean, 1,700, over 1,700 yards. He's completing 64% of his passes, 15 touchdowns and six interceptions. This guy's been pretty, playing pretty good. And um, I just think you talk about talent-wise, I, th- I think they outmatch uh, UCF in total talent on, on either side of the ball. So, Yeah, I agree. And UCF's coming off of a pretty bad loss against East Carolina. Um, So that kind of leads me into my underdog pick of the week. And my underdog pick of the week is uh, Oklahoma State plus one and a half at Kansas State. Um I, I don't I don't really understand this line too much at uh, we're talking about the ninth ranked team in the country going against the twenty second ranked team in the country. Um we saw Kansas State face off last week against TCU. They lost that again thirty eight to twenty eight. But um you know two weeks ago or three weeks or two weeks ago now my apologies um we saw Oklahoma State take uh TCU to two overtimes and you know they, they didn't end up pulling that game out. They lost forty three to forty but this Oklahoma State team can rack up points on you fast, man. 44.7 points per game on offense this year so far. Um, now, Kansas State's more of a low-scoring game. Two weeks or earlier this month, they beat Iowa State in a nail-biting 10-9 to, to victory. But, dude, we talk about Spencer Sanders and how, how big of a stud he is. Uh, I think he's going to have a heyday this coming up weekend. And there's no reason in hell Kansas State should be the underdogs in this game. Or not Kansas State, Oklahoma State should be the underdogs in this game. Yeah, dude, Oklahoma State, top 25 offense in college football. Yeah, they are good. They can put up points rather quickly. And that quarterback they have, dude, can play. One of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in college football, in my opinion. A guy that's definitely not talked about enough. No, certainly not. Spencer Sanders, dude, he's an absolute dog. Anytime you watch him play, he's a guy that just... He might not wow you in certain aspects of the game, but when you just watch him, he's an absolute gamer. This dude yeah. makes plays. He's able to extend plays and get the ball down the field and get his team in the scoring position. It's something that they've been able to do all year long. Um, and that brings me into my over. Or I, I'll tell you what, Jake, why don't you kick off the overs. I think I kicked off the underdog. So who's your over of the week? Okay, so my over of the week, I'm going to go with Wake Forest at Louisville over 64. Um Talk about Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a team, again, that can put up a lot of points. Um, Defensively, they are not that great. And we look at the other side of the ball with Louisville. Louisville is also a team that can sneak up and put some points up on you. So 64 did not seem like enough for this type of game. So Louisville is a team that kind of seems like they pop in somewhere in my locks every single week. So I'm going to roll with a little bit of Wake Forest at Louisville over 64. I'm right there with you, Jake. This is my over of the week. Let's go. We got, hey man, hey man, <laughs> had to pull something out, right? Yeah, we had to. We talked about it last week. We had a lot of the same picks. Hopefully, this is something Jake and I don't play in these pre pre podcast, no. y'all. This is we we try to to leave this for live reaction and live comparison. So anytime we have a matchup, it, it just looks good to both of us. So I'm right there with you. A little bit of team ride, team ride, baby. Let's go. Good pick, good pick, Kenny. All right. Under the week, my under of the week is one of the stinkiest lines that you could possibly take an under for, and I'm doing it, baby. Northwestern traveling to Iowa to take on the Hawkeyes. I'm taking the under 37 and a half in this game. Ooh, hey, 37 and a half for a college game? It's stinky. It's stinky. I'll tell you this. I have one reason and one reason only. 
this Iowa offense. So bad. Boy, this Iowa defense, I'm pulling it up right now because I don't remember it off the top of my head. This Iowa defense is sixth in the nation in total defense. Their offense, any guesses, Jake? Dead last. Dead last. What? This team cannot put up points. They do a really good job of limiting points. Northwestern is an absolute dumpster fire of a team, dumpster fire of a program. Uh, They have not been able to put it together. We saw a little week zero action with them when Jake and I were on our cruise vacation, and uh, there's no reason for us to think otherwise. They came out there in a pretty impressive outing, but since then have been doo-doo. So this Iowa team, man, you, you talk about that defense. Everyone wants to talk about that Iowa defense. I know they're good. I know they are. But they're not going to need that top-tier defense against this Northwestern offense. And I don't care what Northwestern's defense looks like. They could send elementary school kids out there. I was not going to score 37 on these boys. Yeah, and you know, last week, um, we, we, we talked about it past podcasts. Anytime you see Iowa, you take the under. Um, last week, they played Ohio State. That was kind of an exception because Ohio State could put up points on almost any defense. But uh, they played Spencer Petrus, and finally we got to see a little bit of other action. It was Alex Padilla. And let me just say, we always thought we could never see somebody worse than Spencer Petrus. Oh, I have volume playing from a video. My fault. We could not see anything worse than Spencer Petrus with his 5.9 QBR in this game. Uh, let's just say Alex Padilla came in and had a 3.1 QBR. So <laughs> I, I don't know if there's much better in that in that quarterback room. Well, we've talked about it, man. If Spencer, you're trotting Spencer Petrus out there week after week. That quarterback room must be horrible. And I think our questions were answered against Ohio State. They are. Let's not men- let's not forget to mention this was a ten to ten to sixteen game at one point, and it ended up being a fifty four to ten game. Yeah. Oh yeah, this Iowa team, man, and we talk about it. You see a low under, it always it, the trends show low unders tend to go under. I don't know what it is about these low unders, but they always hit a majority of the time. I'll say so. Anytime I see Iowa, I'm always tempted to take the under against a matchup against Northwestern, but they cannot score points either. Give me Iowa. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, and you hit the nail right on the head with uh, anytime you see the low unders, you take them. It, it they know something right there. It, it's a very intriguing pick to pick an over, especially in a college game, no matter who plays. But anytime you see Iowa, you cannot bet the over. It, it's something that cannot happen. So I, I I respect the under pick and and I, I like it a lot. And that leads me to my under pick. Um, my under pick is Illinois at Nebraska under fifty. Um, Illinois has been a team that has played good defense all year long, but they're not a very high-scoring team. Nebraska, also not a very high-scoring football team. Um, I think this game is going to be a little bit of, I'm not going to say a nail-biter too much, because I do think Illinois is going to take control of this game, you know, pretty pretty easily against Nebraska. But, you know, we see like a, a, a 28 to 7 victory for Illinois. Like, there's a lot of different outcomes I could see that could get us under this 50 mark. And, I definitely think that's that's a lot better than going over 50. So I'm going to roll with Illinois at Nebraska. I like that. I like that a lot. That's actually one that I was looking at, too, before I took the Iowa one. So, uh, no, absolutely. Well, Jake, before we head out of college football, are there any other lines you're looking at this week that intrigue you? Yeah, we have a couple couple of good lines I, I've been looking at. Um, and a lot of my picks kind of tend to lean a little bit with these favorites. Um, there's a lot of very intriguing favorites to me. Um. And probably the biggest one that I did not mention as a lock was Ohio State minus 14 and a half uh, at Penn State. Um, I like this Penn State team. I like this Penn State defense. But uh, we saw what Michigan went out there and did to them. 
I don't think I w- I don't think Ohio State's going to do any worse than what Michigan did. So that means they can only do the same or better. And if they do the same or better, they're covering 14 and a half all day long. Um, I do not love this Penn State offense. I don't think this offense is very good. Um, they've had the same quarterback, it seems like, for the past eight seasons, and he's still the same guy he was eight years ago, it feels like. Was Sean Clifford? Um, he, he's, he's, he's not the most electric guy. So I think it's going to be one of those games I, Ohio State kind of gets out early, and they're going to keep it rolling. So that's one of the ones I looked at. Um, I also see Syracuse only favored by two and a half at, uh, against Notre Dame at home. Um, I like that a lot. Syracuse is a really good football team. I know they, stay, they just took their first loss of the season against Clemson. But they played Clemson really, really close, and we all know Clemson is a good football team. Um, TCU minus seven and a half at West Virginia. I think this TCU team is is good, and I do not think this West Virginia team is very good. So that's kind of my only only breakdown. That one seven and a half is way too close in my opinion. Um, I'll give you a little bit of underdog action right here. Virginia plus one and a half at home against Miami. Miami is a is on fire right now. There's there's rumors going out there that Mario Cristobal has already lost that locker room, which I completely believe it because they are a worse team than they were last year with Manny Diaz. And there was so much blame going towards Manny last year, saying that was his fault. And then they bring in the big name coaching hire with Mario Cristobal, and they are somehow worse than they were last year. Tyler Van Dyke looks like he is a true freshman quarterback out there playing absolutely awful ball. And I know he's he's, he's getting a little bit banged up too. I think he's hurt right now, so that. That also adds on to the fire a little bit. Um, looking down the list a little bit, um, I did take a little peek at Oregon, minus 17 and a half at, at Cal. This Oregon team has really, really been rolling recently. That's something we've talked about in the past. Seems like ever since the Georgia game, they have been on fire. Um, going even farther down, I'm sorry, I have a lot of stuff I like this week. Um, South Carolina minus three and a half at home against Missouri. I do like that as well. I think that South Carolina is a good football team. Um, there was moments where I thought that we might have overhyped them a little bit too much preseason, but I think they're back on that trend now. They have played a lot better ball recently, ever since the Georgia game. It seems like Georgia has been the team that has set Oregon and South Carolina on the right path whenever we look at Mr. Uh, Mr. Dan Lanning and uh, Shane Beamer, two former Kirby guys. They they played Georgia, and they, they learned their lesson. Um, I believe that kind of wraps it up on my slate, though, among the games. Um, another game I did kind of look at, though, and look, I'm saying I wrapped it up, and I have one more. North Carolina at home against Pittsburgh, minus three. Um, absolutely love that. North North Carolina team can put up points. I'm just going to keep on saying that every week until they prove me they can't. So, No, I, I like that a lot. Um, and you actually stole mine. That was one that I was looking at. I really like this North Carolina team. The 21st-ranked team in the country um, headed into a pit team that has been playing pretty, pretty pitiful football here as of late. Uh, pun intended. Um, yeah, yeah, pun intended. Pitiful. Pit pitiful. Oh, I like it. Um, I know uh, Keaton Slovis had a little bit of injury trouble after that Tennessee game, got hurt in that game. Um, and since he came back, he's only had one game go over 200 yards passing, and that was against Georgia Tech in a loss. So um, uh, this this Pitt team has struggled to move the ball down the field, and North Carolina is a team that can just absolutely set the field on fire scoring points. Um, that North Carolina quarterback is different. He's a true freshman. He looks like the reincarnation of Sam Howell, maybe even better. So um, I really like that a lot. The, the minus three with North Carolina, I'm certainly going to be on that. Yeah, I I will also be on it. I'm not going to give it as official ones because I know we kind of keep that limited a little bit. But yes, I, I, I agree. That's going to be my money's going to be going in that. Also, might take a little peek at that Eastern Carolina. You got East, East Carolina traveling up to Utah to take on BYU Cougars. Um, plus three and a half for East Carolina. 
I know this BYU team is a team that was playing really, really good to start the season, a team that a lot of people had on their big boards talking about, you know, underrated teams in college football, teams that could sneak up there and, and get a win. And uh, we mentioned it earlier, this this team has been struggling as of late, and East Carolina is a covering machine, man. This team will cover. Um, this is a game I'm looking at. I mean, you look at the potentially an outright win for East Carolina. They can run the ball all over the yard, and uh, they got many different ways to do it. Um, so I, I like this line a lot, plus three and a half with East Carolina. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually completely skipped over the Friday games whenever I was looking at this, and I actually already have a bet on this game. Um, you mentioned it perfectly. East Carolina's five and three against the spread. BYU's two and six. So it kind of just it just it lands there perfectly. BYU has looked absolutely awful since the beginning of the year. Their only two wins against the spread came in the first two weeks of the season. They have not covered since the first two weeks. So, you know, they, they've they been playing very, very bad football now. And this is a team I thought was a good football team for, you know, a little bit during this season. <laughs> they get number 60% of the bets in this game as well. So a little fade the public action for you betters out there. Oh, yeah. My money's already in there as of right now. Let's go. Hey, right, Kitty. Right, Leads us to the NFL. That wraps it up for me. Yeah, that, that wraps up for me for college football. Let's talk about some some big boy ball. The men's league. Let's go. All right, Jake. Let's dive into it a little bit. I'm sure we'll take a peek at some other lines. But as far as betting perspective goes, uh, who is your favorite of the week in the NFL this week? Okay, my favorite of the week I am rolling with. Um, How come I can't find this game now? There it is. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans minus two and a half at Houston. Um. Tennessee is four and two on the season. Houston's one and one four and one. Um, Tennessee has been hot recently. Though. They've won four straight, and Houston is just a bad, bad, bad football team. Davis Mills is not the guy that we were kind of hoping we'd see this year. He's he's been playing pretty bad football, and all the way around this Tennessee, I mean this Texas team outside of uh or this Houston team outside of Damian Pierce has been a very very bad football team. So um, I I just that that's kind of my only thing I can kind of go with right now. Um, numbers are kind of skewed a little bit right now. Uh, Tennessee is allowing more points per game than they're scoring, but partially because they lost to Buffalo forty-one to seven four weeks ago. So, other than that, they've won they've, they've won four in a row since then. So, I, I think they continue that against uh, Houston. I think this line is just way too close. No, I like that a lot. And that Houston team, you mentioned it, Davis Mills. This is a guy that really showed a lot of upside in his rookie year. Looked like the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. You know, you, you talk about guys like Mac Jones, but Davis Mills was really somebody that was able to come out there and get it done. Um, and he's he he just not been good this year. He really hadn't. We hate to see it because we like Davis Mills. We pull for him, but um, just haven't been able to put it together. And that Houston team's bad. So I like that a lot. That's actually one that I looked at, but I ultimately settled on my favorite of the week, and this is the Miami Dolphins, minus three and a half, traveling to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. We talk about this Lions team, man. This was the number one scoring offense in the NFL headed into a week five matchup against the New England Patriots where they got shut out 29-0. to And then they traveled to Dallas to take on the Cowboys where they lost 24-6. to The number one scoring team in the NFL has scored six points in the past two weeks. Um, you traveled it, or you're uh, br- bringing Miami in to – Ford Field in Detroit, a team that can score a lot of points. They can attack you in many different ways on the ground and through the air. Uh, that Miami Dolphins passing attack is crazy, and that defense is super slept on as well. That Miami Dolphins defense is very, very good. I don't see any reason to believe that the Detroit Lions team is going to turn it around this week against the Dolphins. So I'll take Miami minus three and a half here. Yeah, I like that a lot. My only 
My one thing that made me stay away from that, because that is one that I picked at. That was definitely one of my top three picks on this, like to pick for my uh favorite, is that, man, and this is for my fantasy team. I'm going to go ahead and let y'all know. Amon Ross St. Brown has been either hurt. He has been dealing with injuries. And it seems like ever since he started dealing with injuries, this offense has not been rolling again. It seems like he's healthy. So I'm hoping that this offense can kind of get going again. Mostly for the sake of this fantasy team. But yeah, I mean, Miami is just a clear, clear, better football team. They're 4-0 this year with, with Tua playing at quarterback. So um, those three losses kind of discount those a little bit because they were they were filtering Skylar Thompson in and they were getting a couple different guys back there. But with Tua in, this team is a very, very good football team. No, yeah, dude, Tua is an absolute game changer. Dude has been an absolute rock star this year. Obviously, the, all the concussion drama with the independent doctor or physician, whatever. Um you know, you kind of throw that out the window now because he's back and he's playing a really, really good ball. Came out there and played an absolute hell of a game last week. So um, I like this Dolphins team a lot. And that brings me into my underdog of the week. And this is a pretty exciting game, something that I'm going to be tuning into. I'm taking the Washington Commanders plus three traveling to Indy to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Falcons legend Matt Ryan gets benched. They're starting Sam Ellinger, Texas legend. So his first career start matches up against this Washington team that came out there in a very, very impressive win last week against the Packers. I believe Taylor Heineke is getting the start again for the second week in a row. Carson Wentz still dealing with uh, his injury. Um, Taylor Heineke played a pretty good game, all things considered. So um, I, I think this Washington team um, headed into a matchup with a, I don't, you know, not necessarily a, a rookie, but kind of rookie quarterback situation in his first career start, I believe. Um I, I think it's going to be a little bit too much. This this commander's defense is, is really, really good, man. They got players all around the board. I think I remembered, um, or I think it was Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. I believe he said um, that they asked him, how did that commander's defense give you such a hard time? Were they running like exotic formations, exotic coverages, and just, dis, you know, disguising things? And he said, no, they weren't. They just lined up and played pretty straightforward defense. They just were better than us. They beat us. And um, when you match up against the Packers and you're able to do that, I don't see any reason why you can't do that against the Colts with a young quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I think that's a very, very good pick. Um, That kind of leads me to my underdog of the week. And I'm going to go here, and I'm going to say that this number is a little bit big for me, and that's the reason I lean this way. I'm going with Pittsburgh plus 10.5 at Philadelphia. Um, This Pittsburgh team is a team we just saw playing against a fully healthy Miami team, and they kept the game relatively close, and they kind of kept that Miami offense pretty quiet, which was which was really, really good to see for Pittsburgh fans, I know. Um, and this is a team that, that you know, they know how to win football games. Um, I know Philadelphia is the hottest team on the planet right now. They're playing crazy football right now. They have not lost the game yet. They're the last undefeated team left. But, man, 10.5 points in the NFL is a lot of points, especially whenever you run out a Pittsburgh team like that with the defense they can play. Um, I know they did play a couple stinkers early on this year, but it kind of seems like coming back around. Kenny Pickett, if he's a guy that can kind of limit turnovers a little bit, this team, you know, has has a pretty good chance at playing this game at least competitively. And, you know, 10.5 points, once you start getting past that, that's not really a competitive football game anymore in the NFL. No, 10.5 points is a lot of points in the league. I mean, these teams are – not necessarily evenly matched, but more so evenly matched than in college football. We talk about that every single week. Um, this is pro ball. These are freak athletes. These guys can come out there and win football games. It's what they get paid the big bucks to do. I found myself a little bit partial to this Steelers team, man. I kind of like what they're doing. Um, I know Kenny Pickett's had his struggles. He's shown some flashes, and uh, hopefully he can get it put together because I, I don't think anybody hates Kenny Pickett. But, um, no, I like that a lot, plus 10.5 with the Steelers. I think that's a pretty good pick there. I agree. I love it. All right, Jake, what about your over of the week? 
Okay, so my over of the week, I am going with uh, I'm going with the hometown team. I'm going with Carolina at Atlanta over 41. Um, we mentioned it before. Um, this Atlanta team, they can score. They can score a decent bit on offense. Um, they've scored at least 14 in every game so far this year. Um, over 20 in every game but one. So they 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 can kind of cover their end. And you know, we talk about Carolina. Carolina's coming off a really really good win against Tampa Bay last week, and uh. You know, P.J. Walker played a really, really good football team. Atlanta is down um, A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward right now. Quarterbacks are depleted. That Carolina team is probably going to attack us through the air, which they should do. Um, and I mentioned it before. Atlanta can hold up their end of the spectrum, too. So we have a, a lot of lot of fun things looking forward to. I like that a lot. You take the hometown team. Anytime you take the Falcons, it's going to make the ears perk up a little bit for the listeners, for me included. You love watching this Falcons team play, man. Hopefully we can, you know, right the ship after that terrible outing against the Bengals that we talked about yesterday and get the win here. So um, I like it a lot. I think this is a, a kind of a textbook game where you can see a lot of points scored. And the Falcons really do need to score a lot of points. you got to show something after that pitiful offensive performance last week. Yeah, and um, 40, 41 is low, but it's not low enough to make me think, like, okay, this is, like, laughably low, like 37 or something like that. So I, I think it's a it's a really good number to get it up. No, you're absolutely right. Um, that takes me into my over of the week. My over of the week in the NFL, I'm taking the Chicago Bears, Dallas Cowboys over 42 and a half. Um, this Bears team, man, they came out there and played an absolute amazing game against the New England Patriots this past week. Impressed everybody and their mama. Um, Justin Fields really put it together. It seemed like for the first time in his career, he had some protection. The The play calling was right. They did a really good job. If you watched the Manning broadcast, you saw – Peyton and Eli talking about what the Bears were doing differently than they had all year. They did a really good job of having Justin Fields roll out, get out of the pocket, make some really good timing throws, some crossing routes. And I think if the Bears offense can keep that up, um, you know, they can be effective against just about anybody. Um, a quarterback like that who's got an absolute amazing arm and he's very, very physical and he's very, very fast. He can make you, you make you miss with his legs. He can make plays on his legs. Um, th that's a quarterback that can really get it done in the league. If he can put it together, and obviously that's a, a pretty bad team uh, as far as personnel goes, so they got to really build that roster up around him if they want him to be successful long-term. But I think they're on the right path. I, I do, and that might sound a little silly considering what we've seen from this Bears team. But um, And that goes without mentioning this Dallas Cowboys team. They get Dak back. This is a team that's been able to score points all year long, even with Cooper Rush and win big games. Um so I think, man, uh, th this to me, it just it seems like 42.5 is a really good number to get this game. So I, I think I I'm going to be taking a peek at the over in that one. Yeah, and I, I would say I agree, Kenny, but we're definitely going to have at least one loss as a, as a crew on this podcast because my under pick of the week is actually Chicago at Dallas. I'm going under 42.5. Um, partially because we can look back at the New England game. Chicago looked very, very good, but we look at games prior to that, man. Um. They played Washington. They lost Washington twelve to seven. Um, they did. They did score twenty two against Minnesota. Then we look back to before that. They lost to the Giants twenty to twelve. Um, they have a couple low scoring games this year. And this Dallas defense, man, they can limit points. Um, we talk about the pass rush that Chicago likes to allow. Um, Justin Fields gets sacked a pretty crazy amount, and Dallas can rush the passer. Another thing Dallas can do is they have a lot of playmakers on that defense. Um, now. I do like the Chicago team because I do like Justin Fields, and I, I'm rooting. The, I'm rooting for Justin Fields to succeed in the NFL. Um, but man, I, I just I don't think that we can get too much help from Chicago on this side of, and in, in this game. 
And I do think that their defense is going to hold Dallas enough to keep this under 42.5. I think that's fair. I mean, we look at it from two different perspectives. I think you look at it from a, you know, this Bears team is maybe played a little bit above their heads against New England, and I was looking at it from a perspective that maybe they were able to. Maybe they're getting rolling. So, either way you look at it. Um, I, I don't fault you for that. Um, I do. I do hope you lose. Oh but, man! Uh, but I don't fault you for it. Um, and that brings it to me to round it out with my under of the week. My under of the week. I am taking the Las Vegas Raiders, New Orleans Saints under forty nine and a half. That's a lot of points. It's a whole lot of points. Whole lot of points, man. I know this Raiders team is a lot better than what they've shown. Um, I think Jake mentioned it several several weeks ago when he was talking about them starting off the year over and needing to get their, their first win. And they've been playing really good ball as of late. They're third in the AFC West, but, you know, they've been making strides here lately, and they've been putting up points. I mean, they're coming off a 38-point performance against the Texans, um, you know, right after a, a, a pretty close loss against the Chiefs. I think that was a one-point game, if I'm remembering it correctly. Against this Saints team that uh, just announced, you know, this is a 2-5 and five team that just announced Andy Dalton's going to be starting again. And I don't want to hate on Andy Dalton, man. I think Andy Dalton um, has been playing pretty, pretty good for the Saints. I'm not hating on him at all. I like Andy Dalton. This is a guy that has been a, a quarterback in the NFL for a long time. We've seen him play good ball. But um, I don't think he's a long-term answer by no means. And I don't think he's a guy that's going to come out there and just light you up all over the field. And um, I will say, too, this uh, both of these defenses are pretty good. Um, they do a really good job of getting after the passer. And I think both teams have been struggling as far as the offensive line goes as well. So I'm looking for at maybe a little bit of a grunge match here between these two teams, a little bit of old school ball, maybe who can who can come out ahead running the football. And I think probably if I'm putting my money on it, I'm going to take the Raiders. Yeah. Um, this is a very, very interesting one to me too. Um, these are two teams that have gone over in both of their past four games. But I will say this for on your behalf, they have raised this number. Um Typically, typically both teams are sitting around 42 to, you know, 45. Um, we do have one game right here where we see Kansas City, um, Oakland or Vegas, whatever you want to call them. Um, that game was set at 51 and a half. But anytime you see Kansas City, you kind of you expect numbers to be boosted up a little bit. But to see this boosted all the way up to 49 and a half, I, I don't hate it. I, I think that this is something that's definitely possible to happen. Yeah. Something right. pretty crazy right here. I will say this. I'm just looking at it right now. It, it just caught my eye. The Saints are 10 points over their final score. They are plus 10 and a half over the over, over under set, which is pretty interesting. Gosh. So, that yeah, that's great. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see that. I, I'm excited for that game. I am too. I think it's going to be a pretty good matchup. Yeah, I think it should be, a, it should be a really, really fun ball game to watch. And like you said, the over under set so high that, I mean, you could still see a good bit of points and the under still hit. <laughs> that's right. You're absolutely right. Um, Let's talk about some other lines. That rounds it out for the official picks of the week, I will say. Um, is there any other lines you're looking at uh, around the league in the NFL? I know I'm looking at one in particular, and it's for one one reason. Uh, I don't know. Is this the – where is this game taking place? This is a 9.30 a.m. kickoff between the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars. London. It's a London game. All right. So we got a London matchup between the Jags and the Broncos. Um, call me crazy – I kind of like Jags minus two and a half. Yeah, I kind of like the under of 39 and a half, too. I was, I was kind of uh, looking at the game, too. Um, I'm taking this for one reason. I just mentioned it. Uh, Russell Wilson. This is a guy that I've been a fan of in the past, and he has just made me hate him. So uh, I don't know what you're doing, Russell Wilson. I don't know if you're just playing. You're trolling fans, acting like an absolute doofus every single week. But this is a guy that 
has a partially torn hamstring and was doing high knees on the plane on an eight-hour flight last week in the row. This is a guy that high-fives imaginary people running out of the tunnel at practice. This is a guy that takes live snaps, calling audibles against no defense with no offense before the game that he's not even playing in. Um, we mentioned it before. It's, it feels like you just kind of wake up and pray on this man's downfall now. And um, <laughs> I'm going to do it again because I think I'm going to take a look at the Jags here, minus two and a half. Yeah, I, I feel that's actually one I was actually looking at too. Um, another one that I like, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting one. It's probably gonna be because of my like fandom right here. Um, I like Arizona plus three and a half at Minnesota. Um, for one main reason, we saw Arizona get DeAndre Hopkins last back last week, and they instantly put up forty two points on the Saints. Um, I will say 14 of those points came off pick sixes by uh, Mr. Andy Dalton. So, you know, Andy helped him a little bit out. But, uh, yeah, it, it seemed like as soon as we saw DeAndre Hopkins back on the team, this Cardinals team got rolling. And uh, I know I know, the Vikings are playing really good ball. They're 5-1 and one though, so far this year. But three and a half points, man, that's a field goal game you still cover. I think Arizona's going to be able to compete this game. This Arizona team is one that has, you know, been playing below what we'd expected them. And I think this is the opportunity in the season. And it really has to be the opportunity of the season where you kind of start kicking things off because that whole division over there that we thought was going to be super tough has not been that crazy. They've been all kind of, you know, middling a little bit. So Arizona really has a chance right here to start kicking things up and, you know, starting to, you know, try to creep away with a lead in that division because none of those teams out there besides the Seahawks, which I, I don't think that's going to last the whole season, has, has really been rolling this year. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, we get a little bit more PT from Mr. Robbie Anderson. Yeah, Robbie Anderson's going to be a really, really big deal because, uh, we, you know, Marquise Brown, he's he's down for a little bit. You add uh, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. You obviously have a guy like Rondale Moore out there. Um, they have they have a couple guys that can plays. And Robbie Anderson is your deep ball threat, and if you let him get open downfield, he is going to burn you. That, that's what Robbie Anderson does. That's what he's best. That's the reason he's in Arizona right now and not Carolina. So I, I'm really curious to see how they utilize him on the offense. No, I don't hate that, man. Um, this Vikings team has actually been a team that's really impressed me. I mean, this is a one-loss team in the NFL leading that division in a division that a lot of people are just ready to hand the trophy to the Packers again. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting game because you just mentioned it with the Cardinals, you know, g getting their weapons back, getting D-Hop back, bringing Robbie Anderson in, even with the loss of Marquise Brown. This is a team that seems to be coming to. They're kind of getting back to the norm of what we expected to see from them. So if they're going to make a statement, this is the game to do it. Yeah, I agree. I have one more, and it's not an official pick. It's just a very, very interesting pick to me because it's two teams that I think are kind of a little bit above their level right now, and that is the New York Giants going to uh, Seattle, and that line is minus three. Seattle's favorited. Um, I think those two teams, it, it, it's so interesting to me because I going into the season, nobody expected these two teams to succeed as much as they have, and you know, we talk about the Falcons succeeding. We're four. We're what three and four right now these teams are actually like playoff contenders like top top seeded teams in the nfl right now so like I, i'm really really curious to see how these two teams face each other because it's like legit the, the battle of the two teams outside of the jets it's the battle of the two teams that are kind of like okay these guys are actually good football teams um so I, i'm not gonna give out a pick for that one because um I, I really don't know i'd probably lean the giants plus three i think that's that that would be my route but uh I think this is going to be a very, very enjoyable football game if you get this one on TV. No, I, I like that a lot. I'm actually glad you mentioned it because this is a game I was looking at too. Um, 
Dude, these are two teams, and you said it, they're playing a little bit above their heads. I agree with you 100%. I think this Giants team has been really impressive, and the Seahawks team has been really impressive too, but I think you can kind of attribute all of the Seahawks' success to Geno Smith. Dude has been playing like Pro Bowl caliber football this year, which is nuts. And that Giants team, honestly, they just look really good from from both sides of the ball and all around the field. Saquon looks like Saquon. Um, you know, Daniel Jones is coming off the what, NFC Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week, like – Dude's been putting it together. This is exactly what Giants fans have wanted to see from Daniel Jones, and he's been able to do it. So um, he's definitely trying to earn that contract extension. Yeah, for sure. I might take a look here at the uh, Sunday night game. Um, you get Packers-Bills. The Bills are favored by 10.5 in this game. I, I might like like the Packers here at plus 10.5. Um, it's hard. I-, I know this Bills team seems to be miles better than everyone aside from maybe Kansas City and Philly. And and I get it. It's not without reason. This Bills team has been playing amazing football. Josh Allen looks like, you know, you can make the argument that Tim or Patrick Mahomes, the MVP leader right now, um, he has looked like the best quarterback in the NFL. And um, But, man, it's just we've seen it too many times. We have seen it too many times, especially after a pretty disappointing start to the year for the Packers. I just can't imagine Aaron Rodgers trotting out there on a Sunday night primetime game and getting beat by 11. No, no, it, it is very hard to imagine. I will say, though, this would be the year we would see it happen. <laughs> that is very true. Out of all the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers seasons, this would be the year. And that's the reason, that's the main reason I stuck away from it. Because I, I saw a couple big lines. That was one of them. And then I talked about the Philadelphia Steelers game. I think that the Steelers is a lot more likely to cover than, than the Packers. Just, just because of how good this Bills team and how down this Packers team has, has, has been this year. I mean, we, we talk about a loss against Washington. Like, Washington is a bad football team to me. Um, I do like Heineke. I think Heineke's a guy that can kind of keep you in ball games a good, but he's not going to kill you by turning the ball over and stuff too much. So, um, but yeah, man, this is going to be a whole different matchup right here. And going to Buffalo. You have the Buffalo fans. Uh, we talk about Bills Mafia. It's one of the, it's probably the best fan base in, you know, the NFL. Um, Maybe Philly might give them a little bit of a rival. Philadelphia is kind of a crazy fan base too, but. Man, it's a tough place to play, especially on a Sunday night. It's crazy to think about, man, because it's pretty exciting from a fan base perspective because, in my opinion, I think the three most loyal fan bases in the NFL are probably the top three teams in the NFL right now. Um, and that's pretty big for, for the NFL. I think that's really good for – I don't, don't want to be cliche and say the culture of these teams, but it, it almost is. Like You talk about the Bills, Eagles, and the Chiefs, these – Three fan bases show up week in and week out. Just about anybody will tell you that Arrowhead's the hardest place to play in the NFL, and it's because of the Chiefs faithful, I believe they call them. Um, you talk about Bills Mafia, you talk about the dog pound in Philly. Like these three fan bases are nuts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for me, Kenny. Um, we're about an hour ten in right now. Um, pushing a little bit later than what we thought we were going to. <laughs> We are. We got a little, uh, you know, we always seem to get a little bit excited over the betting side of things. And, uh, you know, with good reason, with good reason. We've been winning some money, Jake. So uh, if you've been following along, we've been winning some money, too. Hopefully we can come out here and have a really strong week and, you know, pull a little bit farther ahead on that record. But, yeah, that, that wraps it up for me, man. That is it for me, too. I just want to say thank you all so much before we get out of here. Um, the support has been great. We've 22 episodes in now. Everything's been amazing. Um, I do want to shout out socials right quick. Um, YouTube side of things right now, watching us right now. Um, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It says on the screen at Peach State Tailgate Pod or Peach State Tailgate. I'm sorry, I have the, I have the Twitter one in my head. We also have a Twitter, Peach State Pod. And uh, if you listen to us on the podcast side of things, check us out on YouTube, Peach State Tailgate. Um, you'll be able to see our faces, get a little bit more 
a little bit more of a reaction before the podcast actually gets started. Me and Kenny kind of bullcrap around a little bit. So, yeah, just check us out. And uh, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, man. Thank you all so much. Be sure to tune in next week and uh, go dogs. Go dogs.